Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision-making. I'm here with Nick Hare, Chris Lear and Peter Cogler of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing talking to the animals. Nick, go for it. Yeah, so animals, right? Uh... You love them, I love them. They're furry. Uh, they often have hilarious numbers of legs. Great little creatures, aren't they, animals? Well, so but, far you've described Peter Coghill, but keep going. Uh, but the question is, would would you like to have a chat with one of them? Mm. Um, would you like to talk to an animal? Well, it, the, there might be a chance of doing this in the next couple of years if Project SETI succeeds. So this is an interdisciplinary sort of multinational project to try and use machine learning to decode sperm whale language. Mm. Um, so sperm whales talk in these uh, little sentences, apparently, um, called coders, um, and they, uh, they're basically clicks, which apparently makes it a bit easier for computers to, to sort of, under, or at least to, to try and analyse. Um, and so this project is going to try and see if we can translate sperm sperm whale language into, into human language. What might we learn? Uh, who knows? All sorts of exciting things. So I think we want to talk about um, whether or not the idea of talking to animals makes any sense. Uh, what um, what you know the purpose of doing so might be what we might learn and um, probably which animals we'd really like to have a chat to if we had a chance mm. because of course immediately, immediately it begs the question you know what are these sperm whales talking about mm. um, you know are where they the fish about? are I expect <laughs> yeah I think that's it. I mean is it just going to be as simple as that are they just really boring that's, that's, that's more or less what humans kind of talk about most of the time yeah like where the discounts are and what's hot in on Instagram, isn't it? Yeah. That's kind of the extent. Yeah, you can imagine a, a sort of sperm whale um, scientist cracking human language and mm. going up to the average human and saying, oh, you know, what do you think about the problem of existence or that kind of stuff? And most people probably don't really care. You know, most people just, mm. you know. what? And they would, might ask the human, where's all the fish? And they, they don't know. And so well, I know where go, the fish are. Well, they're in the, in the sea. sea. Get yeah. back into the sea, you idiot sperm whale. What are you doing in Haringey? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, let's weigh you in. Um, Chris, I want to bring you in. I don't know. What, yeah, go for it. What are your initial thoughts on all of this? Well, the for me, the, um, the, the question here is whether language is, um, is any more than just behaviour. That's, that, that's why I kind of, I'm kind of wondering whether language is any more than just behavior because we can actually t we can communicate quite well with animals mm. um anyone who has a dog mm. communicates pretty well with that dog even um we, we can tell what a lot of animals are kind of thinking uh mm. just by watching them without really mm -hmm. talking to them or even listening to them and also i'm not sure which which language is better to use, whether we should be teaching the animals our language or learning theirs. I th I've got a funny feeling we're better off learning theirs. But the, but the, um, the interesting thing is whether the language is any more than just kind of slightly complex behaviour. In other words, whether, it, whether, whether, it, whether you need to be one of those things to, to really understand it or, whether, or whether kind of a computer can fundamentally understand it if, if, if by listening for long enough 
Look, let's let's go into that more. Um, so you said it's, it's whether a question of, of, of whether language is just more than behavior, right? Um, and even if we could understand the language, could we really actually still understand the language? Would, we, would it help us at all? And, it, and perhaps the answer is no. I want to hear more about that. Delve more well, into that. It, is there an understanding gap? Because the, um, the, there, there, there are two things that occur to me. One is that we can more or less understand animals um, up to a point. And we can also more or less understand people who don't speak English up to a point. Mm. Let's say, I, in, I, the only language I speak is English, but I can understand um, other people to some extent. But also, so, so we can understand people who don't have our language and animals and other things which don't have our language by observing mm. behavior and so on. And also we can misunderstand people who do have our language quite grievously. Uh, mm. and th this is and this is very common um as we all know if we're let's say married um, <laughs> uh, it's um it's extremely common to know someone quite well but still misunderstand what they mean when they say something like do you want to um you know go and fetch someone from the station um these 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 <laughs> things can be misunderstood quite easily mm. uh, and uh uh, but, and what I guess what I find interesting is 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 the way meaning is transferred, and whether we um, and and people that I, as far as I can tell, people don't really know whether language has something inbuilt, whether grammar is sort of fixed into our brains in some way, which means that it would be very hard for a mm. computer to um, to do it, or whether it's just learnt um, over time. But I think, isn't there quite a lot of evidence that, you know, there are specialised brain structures that deal with language uh, in humans that don't sort of seem to have an equivalent in other animals? Um, I was just thinking, you're, you're, you know, you, I think there is a difference between communication and meaning things. Um, and I think, as Chris says, obviously we can communicate without necessarily using sort of language in itself we can do so you can communicate with the dog and get a dog to do things for you um without having to make it understand exactly what you're you know trying to achieve um you could you know do all the kind of social elements of language presumably do that with a dog stroke pat it on the head and that kind of stuff you know dog stuff um and various other kinds of things like social signaling uh, and, you know, communicating emotions with dogs and all of those kinds of things. I think the one big glaring hole in all of that is being able to mean something. So, in other words, to sort of think of a state of affairs uh, uh, and transfer that to someone else's brain, which we can do with human language, but we I don't feel like we can do it with an animal. So, in other words, you know, the, the fact that I believe something is true... Uh, I can make you understand that. I, you can, I can make you understand what state of affairs I'm proposing is true. And if and if we're planning to do something together, you know, I can tell you what state of affairs we're working towards and all of that. So I don't think animals can mean things. Well, at least as far as we've never discovered an animal who can mean something. You know, the, all of their communication does all kinds of other stuff, but it doesn't seem to be able to mean things. Okay, that's, a, that's an interesting point. I want to come to you, Peter, but um, is it, what, what sounds like what you're saying, Nick, is, I mean, is we can't talk to a dog about the latest episode of Star Trek, mm. um, or we can't talk to a, go a, a dog about the um, existence of God, um, whether, you know, 
whether I believe it, whether the dog believes it. So, but that's not that's because that's not language, is it? That's to do with imagination, isn't it? And it's I think, and to do with, and maybe that is specific to humans. Yeah, well, we don't we don't know if dogs concepts. don't if dogs don't in some way have thoughts about those. Yeah, but the point is that they don't seem to express them to one another. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, they're, they're, they're related, a related sort of related thing. There are species of birds i think in the jay family so um magpies and that those kind of birds which have they they express concepts of future planet the future by planning for for things so when when food is more available they hoard more of it and that sort of thing so they i think it's i think it's that behavior but they they they, they have a concept of like times are good and there's but times might not be so good in the future so they have they formed there's have they they are expressing some belief about the now the, you know the now versus hypothetical futures. But do they talk about it? I well they they but they they exhibit the behavior. They communicate so about they it. so other jays would be able to observe that behavior. So um, that would that I would I would cast that as as some form of communication. Mm. I, I think it is tricky because you sort of think well there's there's the idea of a code where you know you we if we agree on a code or evolve a code where you know when i flap my arm in a certain way uh it means that there's food in that tree and then when i flap my other arm it means that the food is in the river um there we can use that to communicate but you wouldn't necessarily say that was language as such that would be like a code and the question is whether or not these ravens are just doing code things or whether they're genuinely expressing thoughts that they have and and I think one of the key tests is can they can they use the elements of what of how they're communicating to come up with genuinely new thoughts. So you know could one of them um, express the thought of well it's going to be cold not next year but the year after and you know perhaps we should go to a different mountain uh, yeah, to but... find food and I, like like if their code language is restricted to a certain number of thoughts to express then they wouldn't be able to do that and therefore I think they don't really have language in I... our sense. And Chris, then Peter, uh, you're assuming that language is different from a code. Mm, that's why I, I don't. I, I don't understand the distinction. Which it might be. And if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. You seem to be saying that the difference between language and a code is that language can extend to things which haven't been, which you haven't been taught already. Is that what? Is yeah, that what you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what I mean, mean by, is it's, it's so infinitely combinatorial. Yeah, okay, I mean, and, and, uh, yeah. with language, you can Chris. go Keep beyond going, what you were taught originally. So, sorry, I missed the start of that point, Chris. Uh, Keep going. <laughs> sorry. Um, well, I, I think Nick was saying that with a code, you, you've got a fixed number of things you can say, but language allows you to go beyond those things by mm. combining, by, by making new combinations. I, I think that's, that's what Nick's saying. I'm, I'm not quite sure that, I'm not quite sure exactly where the... Um, code concept ends and the language concept begins mm. it might be one surely, of those things just a bit of a got, spectrum yeah because if you've got if your code is a sort of like a cipher a mapping there's a one symbol to one concept uh then you can just string those concepts together right and then come up with new new mappings to new symbols for new concepts that well that yeah are. but you you think that's easy because you're a human but when they've taught chimps sign language they just don't do that you know they use the signs they've learned that's a banana this is a doll and they don't come up with new sentences like the doll wants to eat a banana you know and do but do um do computers no well i don't know you see <laughs> if, if if um because that that's kind of the 
that's that's where that feels like where we where I, well it's where I'm going with this. I was going to say yeah, where well, we're I'd going. I have no idea where we're going. I'd with say this. they. Well, I'm I'd going say with they. This. No, keep going. I want to hear it from Chris, then Peter. <laughs> um, well, I, I I kind of feel if a computer can take all of the data from all of the conversations that everybody's had, and then come up with a genuinely new um, concept out of all that. That my question is: Have they really learnt the language? And maybe they just have. Maybe that's all it is. Yeah. Maybe it's just well, you, I, you collect all this stuff and then you spit out a thing. I, I would argue that there are computers that do that, and we've all got one in our heads. Um, that, that, ah, redact, uh, red, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, uh, we're gonna Chris and I will disagree on this because Chris has got dualist uh, beliefs. But I, I fundamentally believe that your brain is just a self-contained blob of stuff that is that, that is a computer, and so you you learn. You, you, as you grow and you, as you grow up, you learn language and you learn about new concepts in the world and you exhibit this behavior that we're exactly describing where you can start stringing new things together and come up with new ideas. So yeah, I think there are computers that can do that. And I, then, uh, then it becomes, is this an engineering challenge to replicate that in silicon or whatever substrate so we So we can use. definitely understand whales. Yeah, I think eventually we definitely can understand anything, yeah. I, I don't know, I, I, think, I think this isn't as straightforward as that. Like if you think of philosophical zombies, for example, like like um, so and I would say that GPT-3 or something like that, some really sophisticated language What's generator. What's GPT-3? It's, a, it's just a very it's a it's an extremely impressive um, artificial language generator, which you can um, you, it's, it's basically read the Internet and has yeah. encoded lots and lots of, you know, every virtually every yeah. sentence ever written on the Internet. And it's, so it's that if not, you, it's like a chatbot for the 21st century. Yeah, it's phenomenally impressive. Um, uh, you, you, you know, you can start typing something and it'll continue it in exactly the way that you're writing it in the first place. And, okay. you know, you can have a conversation with it and it's very plausible. It's, it's really good. But part um, of the Turing interest. But anyway, that's a diversion. Keep yeah, going. no, I mean, I, but the, well, it's not unrelated. But the, the, the issue is, um, I would say that GPT-3 is a bit like a philosophical zombie in that it might be behaving exactly like an online person. But it, it doesn't really make sense to say that it means things, that it is intending to communicate concepts in some mm. way. And I feel like that seems to be fairly integral. But I think Peter's uh, point reminded me of the Chinese room thought experiment, which was John Searle, um, which is really central to this debate, right? Which is where, let's imagine you're, you're a person inside a a box and you get past these Chinese characters and you don't speak Chinese. Mm. And so you get past these Chinese characters uh, in strings and you just look up in this book. Okay. Well, it, when I get past this string, I, I, I pass this other string back. So the strings of characters come in and strings of characters come out. And, and um, this book has been designed sufficiently intelligently that it really looks like you can speak Chinese or it looks like the box speaks Chinese. Um, but of course you sitting there processing strings of characters can't really be said which part of that box actually understands Chinese. The, the argument is, well, none of it does. So, so language cannot merely be a matter of inputs going in and outputs coming out. And therefore, yes, congratulations, you understand the language. But other people have said, no, that box does speak Chinese. That is what it means to speak Chinese. So I think that feels like that's central to what we're talking about here mm, is the yeah. question of whether or not a machine behaving exactly like it understands language just does understand the language yeah. now I, I want to throw a spanner in my works right yeah um, so I've made the assertion that I believe that we have we can we can we can do the um, 
lumping together of concepts or generating new concepts as sort of arbitrarily. Now, I don't actually believe that we can. So I think that I think you know we we talk about general intelligence and a and a, 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 a general intelligence is one that can sort of conceive of anything. Um, and you just keep adding more compute power to it and it can conceive of anything at any speed, right? Um, now, I think we have, there are certain physical limits to our brain which will give us a ceiling of how complicated a concept we can actually hold in our heads. So imagine, imagine if in 50 years' time, theoretical physics hasn't found some definitive like solutions, definitive sort of... Uh, algorithm which explains the whole universe it might just be bottomlessly complicated there's going to be a point at which a physics graduate cannot understand any more physics because they haven't got enough time in their life to to do any more reading or discussing about it so there's going to be a point at which the concepts are too big to hold in our heads which will mean there's a limit to how much of this generation and lumping together of new ideas we can do uh, so look uh, i want to bring in chris in a moment I thought we were going to be talking about having nice, fluffy conversations about conversations with squirrels and salamanders, right? And, and yeah, we, we should we should still do that. A bit of whimsy. We should do that. But but here we are. And actually, by the way, I don't. I, I feel ganged up on because you know it, it's it's all immediately going to like machine concepts and and be. I, I mean, I can't. I don't even have the vocabulary for it. And and I feel totally outgunned now because we have got Chris Bloody Lear on the team now. <laughs> Um, we got Chris Lear on the team, who's just another one of you. Guys. All right, let's bring it back to dogs. Um, but but no, before we do that, before we sort of bring in the whimsy, and I don't know how, um, Chris. Beyond, I mean, I have no idea what any of you are talking about. Chris, uh, anything to add at this point uh, to the uh, to the kind of artificial intelligence discussion? I guess so. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think um, I, I I haven't got a, a great deal, but I I do. I do find it interesting that an artificial intelligence is trying to communicate. So artificial intelligences, as Nick says, have got pretty good. They can communicate. There's a bit of a question about whether they really understand anything or whether they're just a sort of Chinese room, and maybe that, that's the same thing. But what interests me is that even when we speak amongst ourselves, we quite often mean different things. And philosophers mm. can't even agree what meaning even kind of consists in. Mm. And of course, when philosophers talk nobody understands them either so i so the the whole <laughs> sort of thing with language is 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 fascinating some of the some of the um some of the concepts that we use often and um we consider carry a lot of meaning which might mean something to a computer a concept like beauty mm. is notoriously impossible to define but yet mm. we can all use it and we all know what we mean when we use it although we might misunderstand each other slightly. So I find all of this interesting, and mm. it and and it all blends into the what I find interesting in this whole thing. I'm afraid I'm not that into animals. I'm more interested in the in the language thing. I'm quite interested in the talking to computers thing, and I'm quite interested in the talking to aliens thing because it seems similar. So there, there, so that's really where I'm coming from. If we can't talk to a dolphin, then we've got no chance with an alien. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, yeah. maybe not. We've got to start with the dolphins. <clears throat> no, I mean, so dolphins. yeah, I mean, so there's just a couple of things. Um, uh, when we get getting back to animals, um, not unrelated to philosophy, because I'm going to bring in Wittgenstein, who said uh, if a lion could speak, we could not understand him. And typically with Wittgenstein, he didn't really explain what he meant, but lots of other people have tried to work it out. Um, I think him. 
Well, I think exactly. If if Wittgenstein <laughs> could speak, we could not understand him. I, well, normally, people sort of assume that what this means is a lion just doesn't have enough. In order for two humans to talk to each other and properly communicate, there has to be some shared set of concepts. And he he, I think, is more or less saying, well, there's not enough shared concepts that you have with a lion to be able to have a proper chat with it. Um, but I mean. I don't know about that because I feel like there's quite a lot of things that like, you know, the concept of food and being hungry or being happy or um, being scared, you know, that there are gentlemen and lady lions. You can imagine uh, having a chat with a, a lion about that um, and and uh, all the, you know, the uh, gender politics of the lion world and, um, mm. you know, children and looking after your kids and all that kind of stuff. There's quite a well, lot in common. And I kind of thought kids, if I imagine, yeah, but if I imagine finding a tribe of humans who lived exactly like lions, they just lived, ate the same, hunted in the same way, uh, I feel like I could have a chat with them so i'm not sure i'm not a lion pessimist but yeah. on the other hand there is this question of well at some point the complexity or what is required to be able to speak at all to communicate might just be completely impossible and for a particular animal so uh, it's like if i said okay well if i could find a triangle with four corners what would its interior angles be Right. Well, you go, but you can't. There's no such thing as a triangle with four corners. It's an it's not a coherent thought experiment. And I sort of think, well, in order to have a chat with an ant, which might be quite interesting in one level, it would have to essentially not be an ant. You know, it would it would have to stop having the brain of an ant. And it's a bit like saying, you know, what's it like to, um, you know, if I wanted to have a chat with a baby about what it's like to be a baby or, or to or to speak to, uh, you know, someone who's got a severe mental disability or something. Um, there is just no way to have a conversation uh, about that without them not being that yeah. thing. So like a baby, yeah. one of the features of being a baby is you, you haven't learned how to speak. So, yeah. I, so I'm, I can't. Intri There's just no way of having a chat with a baby about what it's like to be a baby. And I suspect it's the same with an ant. But um you know, but on the other hand, we can communicate, you know, with there's a spectrum of things we can communicate with. And is very much, uh, you know, yeah. one end quite hard. But then, you know, as you say, dogs, possibly whales, maybe there is enough of a shared set of experiences that we we could. It's you know, it's a, it's it's feasible to imagine it working. Yeah, there's a there's a I think there's a, an important distinction to to think about where. where uh, so you have communicate with. Bit as a sort of concept here, which is a very much a sort of two-way process. You're you're exchanging information and ideas both ways, and then there's being understood by, which is kind of a one-way thing. So, I can understand my daughter; she can sort of communicate what she needs to me without it, without me being able to communicate back necessarily. So she can she indicates when she's hungry or tired or scared or confused or whatever by how she behaves, and I can understand her. So, what I think when it comes to talking to when it comes to talking with aliens or versus say ants i think i think what the one way is probably much easier than the two way when you're when you're on a different tier of kind of um intelligence or you know processing capability let's call it so i think we'd be able, we'd be very we, we wouldn't be able to talk to an ant, but we would be able to talk to an alien quite easily, and they would be able to understand us, assuming they're more intelligent because they've crossed the, the vast spaces to get here. But they would they would probably struggle to talk down to us mm. because we wouldn't have the capacity to understand them. They would have to they would have to learn our language and talk and limit the the limit the sort of size the the 
concepts they're trying to get across to us in the same way that we could probably communicate to an ant but really on a very basic level we could probably if an ant can say food left or food right then we could probably devise a way of doing that but we wouldn't be able to explain politics or philosophy to the ant because they haven't mm. got the capacity to do it um look we need to um stop fairly soon um i think we're actually we've sort of covered this reasonably well um is there anything i mean is there anything any anything burning anyone wants to say at the moment well i just i'm just wondering how how we would know if we'd cracked the language of wales <clears throat> this is by the way where we were remiss we should have had tom spence on this because if you recall he is fluent in dolphinese <laughs> that's so, a good point which, um but but it, it, let's say that i mean what would it look like if we could talk to a whale I'm just I don't have an answer to this I'm just I'm just thinking it through like with humans how do you know that you're communicating it's a kind of quite rapidly you establish that there's consistency in, in terms of what you're saying and what they're saying back to you you know that that it's sort of you know, people aren't surprising you by what they're doing you, you don't say oh you know can I have a packet of crisps and they give you some cigarettes instead it's like okay well you know the there's things that we're talking there. about yeah and it very rapidly established how would that work just I'm, what I'm could gonna, we do I'm, to I'm work gonna, to I'm do gonna, that with a with a whale I'm going to posit a slightly flippant uh, answer um we could we could devise a flip what, flipperant. What, what we'll what we'll yeah flipperant. What we'll we'll devise the willy test. So willy as in willy the whale test, ah, which okay. is like like the Turing test. So if we can if we can like communicate to a whale through a through a, a wall so they can't see us, and we can convince that whale that we are in fact a whale, then we've we've succeeded. How would we do that? Would we? Well, we'd talk, we'd talk, we'd converse with the whale. They, they could ask us questions. Oh, they, they talk them, back. They talk back. They'd, we'd right. ask them questions. And if they were convinced that they were talking to another whale that they just couldn't see, like over a, te- a, a whale telephone or something, then they, 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 the, we, we have succeeded. But how you actually implement that test, I, I don't, I don't like the Turing test as a thing. It's a very sciencey, yeah, fictiony but, but type the, thing. And the tr- but the trouble is that you would, you would, um, you could do that just by playing them sounds of whales now. Like I think, I think it, it like it has to appropriately respond to what they're saying. We have to have a proper conversation with them. Well, yeah, well, exactly. But the, the the sounds you play would have to be driven by something that correctly identifies what to play back. And I'd say that if you if you can crack that algorithm, you correct correct a t- whale talking algorithm. Yeah, I still don't understand how you would know though. Like if the whale's just hanging around and saying things, and you're saying things back. That's not evidence. That that's no, just, that just might be evidence that the whale likes being around the sound of other whales. It might not tell you anything about whether we're getting it right. He might also just think you're just a weird whale. Yeah. That is, you know, I met the strangest whale today, and there was something not quite right about. Wouldn't him. shut like, up about mustard. Yeah. <laughs> um, we do need to finish very very soon. Um, I mean, it feels point given all that we've just talked about. It seems pointless trying to answer questions or, or pose questions like oh if you could talk to a squirrel or any animal what would you talk yeah let's do it anyway yeah. though let's well ask i mean let's, let's do, do it anyway i mean i mean it just feels like so notwithstanding everything we've just said for the last 30 minutes right um let's do it i mean what would you talk to and you're not allowed to say alien um so what animal would you choose to talk to and what do you think you might have a chat about i'm going to start off and the reason i'm going to start off is I'm, i've got distracted just now because looking out my outside my window i can see a jackdaw and um, that's who I'd like to talk to, that Jackdaw, and just have a chat. And but again, what's he going to be talking about? He, I would, I would say, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm just a bit hungry, really, feeling a bit cold today. What about you? And I said, well, I'm doing a podcast. And he would go, well, what's a podcast? And and then we just get into this whole sort of thing. 
And, and no, I think, suddenly, I think it, you it breaks down quite that. quickly. No, that's no, because you could say, well, you know, when you're singing and the birds in the trees nearby can hear you. Mm. Well, imagine if you could sing and all the birds in the whole of Lincolnshire can hear you all at yeah. once. Wouldn't that be awesome? And, and, but then uh, I could blow his, his tiny jackdaw mind by saying, and I'm talking about what if we could talk to animals, i.e. you. And he would maybe... He'd well, we could get him on as a guest. Animal. Yeah. <laughs> this week. I think you're making a lot of um, anthropomorphic uh, assumptions about Jack, jackdaw thought. Yes. Yeah. No, I think you're probably quite right. Yeah. Um, Chris, um, let's have you. Who would you talk to? I, I would I would definitely want to I would, I'd want to talk to a, to a uh, limpet. Okay. But I don't think I'd want to talk to the limpet. I'd I I want to hear what the limpet has to say. Because I think I think a limpet would be an amazing kind of um stoic philosopher. Go on. I just think they would have I th- I think they'd have a really interesting insight into um being in one place and having a lot of waves washing over you. But they and don't have a lot of life experience. But, be, but beyond that, they don't have much life experience, do they? How do you know? Well, because they've just been in one bloody place the whole you time. See, just once with again, one you're ex- assuming you know what limpets are thinking. I want to uh, hear from the limpet. Also, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's a guy who, who a, a, a philosopher called Secundus the Silent, I think. Mm. I, I looked this guy up. He, um, he took a vow of silence and, there, and thereby became a uh, famous philosopher. <laughs> I think that's pretty. I think that's a pretty cool move, and I reckon the the limpet um, has, has, could could offer at least that. Mm. Yeah, limpet uh, might see as much variation in a, in his little patch of rock as you see in the whole earth. This is the thing: the limpet stays still. Stuff happens mm. to it, and mm. it just chills there on its mm. little place. Doesn't go very mm. far. You know, but it's got a lot of time to think. I reckon. Yeah, it might. It might have given names to all the little bumps and ridges and grains in its shell, and you know. I I, I think it would have a, a lot to say about um, about I, I, life. I wonder if you went from one limpet to another limpet and then to another limpet, how much difference you would see between the limpets. I hadn't really thought of that, but that's a good question. Yeah, maybe I, if mm. I if I hit on the Stoic philosopher at the start, that would. <laughs> That would be brilliant. But if I hit on the kind of like the, the, the boring one, he just sits there <laughs> eating the rock and doesn't really think about life, then that would be a dull conversation. Uh, uh, Peter? Uh, I'd like to talk to a tardigrade, but only after it's been quantumly entangled. What's a tardigrade? So, tar- so <laughs> tar- it's quantumly entangled? So, so tardigrades are small waterborne creatures. Uh, they, they're notoriously sort of tough. Um, you can freeze them, you can boil them, you can do all sorts of things to them, and they they'll wake up. They 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 sort of they're still alive. Um, but I came across in my news feed. I came across a story. I think it's University of Texas. They've been doing um, quantum experiments on these tardigrades, firing through particle accelerators to try and quantumly entangle them. Uh, I, I think it'd be a unique experience that we'd never be able to experience. So basically, what that, what that means is, in you know, in layman's terms, they, 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 you're able to exist in multiple places at once. Yeah, I feel it would be a confusing conversation. Mm, some quantumly entangled tardigrade. I, I think there's two, you're imposing two constraints there. I think. Uh. <laughs> okay, let's move on. So, uh, jackdaw, limpets, tardigrades. Uh, Nick. Yeah. So I think. Okay, if you wanted to find stuff out, I think you'd go either for like creatures who live in a really weird environment, like uh, you know, animals in, from the deep sea 
who might actually know interesting stuff about how the deep sea works that we don't know. So that might be useful scientifically. Um, or very tiny animals who might see things that we're unable to perceive or experience, or, or animals that have a very different perception of time, like I would imagine a sloth or something, you know, being um, seeing things almost at a different speed. Um, but then there's also like important animals and uh, whether or not we can give them a hand. And the one that I would go for, I think, is the bee. I'd like to talk mm. to a bee find out what gets them you know what makes them get out of their hive in the morning and uh mm. what what happens when the colony collapses you know why why are they what what can we do to give these guys a hand you know what's hard for them and what's easy and um but you know i just like the idea of talking to a bee i just think bees are awesome and they're, they're furry I've got, I've got a little follow-up question there do you think you really ought to speak to the whole hive at once yeah, that's a good question. Because isn't if it? you just speak to one bee, I don't. I, I'm, mm. I'm not sure they're going to be able to communicate without be, without reference like, to the to the rest. Yeah, that would be like talking to a single cell of a human, of another of another person. Just, just talking to a nose. Yeah. Or, no, but hold on. <laughs> would it be like talking to the Borg, where you're talking? Actually, you're talking to an individual bee, an individual Borg, but actually through talking to that individual, you actually are talking to the whole hive. No, yeah, I mean, I've I mean, never would watch Star Trek. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the bees have a shared consciousness. They have a collective consciousness, but not a shared one. Yeah, I think you're saying that they, there isn't like a bee spokesman we can find who's going to speak out on behalf of the bee community. <laughs> We've got you got it's, it's all of the bees, or it's it's none of them really. Well, it's like, a, it's you know, an the hive is the entity. Project. Yeah. And why why do you assume it's one community, even just within the hive? There could be various communities, factions, schisms. Um, all right. <laughs> now now we're talking about the stuff i want to talk about um <laughs> b politics yeah all right uh we're gonna stop there uh anything to add before we finish anything at all how, how about you can let wittgenstein finish yeah okay go on this is this is wittgenstein whereof one cannot speak thereof one must be silent well, you say that, or Wittgenstein <laughs> says that, but that, that's me out of a career. I mean, that's I me mean, that zapped out of this podcast straight away and general life. Um, all right, we'll stop there. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Chris Lear, Peter Coghill, and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.